It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. So nice that we do it twice. And of course... Hey, if those guys are going to be doing two-a-days, although they don't really do two-a-days anymore, but if they're going to be in training camp, we're going to have two shows for you a week. And when I say we, I'm talking about the best fantasy football analyst in the galaxy. His name is Evan Silva. He is from rotoworld.com that's just churning out the blurbs right now, which is amazing, at Evan Silva on Twitter. I am a former NFL offensive lineman that loves playing fantasy football, loves playing fantasy football, quite frankly, against you guys and makes it fun. Some of these best ball drafts we've been doing. You can get at me on Twitter and Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL, or you can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. It helps tremendously when you give us the retweets on Twitter and the likes on Facebook. If you want to always know exactly when the show's been posted on your apps or whatever, uh, make sure you're following the, the podcast handle, at RTF Podcast, for all of our shows. Starting next week, I will begin announcing winners that will be going against Evan and I in the season-long league. That's your traditional league, 16 dudes. It is intense. It's the best of the best. Setting your lineups every week, it's awesome. But I do have one more MFL 10, one more contestant for the best ball draft, and that is Chris Gross, who took advantage of, of the light stream debt consolidation i've got some good emails by the way from you guys about that that's been a really good thing for you guys the debt consolidation at Lightstream. we have all that stuff always by the way anytime you hear me talk about a company you got it over at ross tucker.com on the sponsor page so if you ever forget make sure you go you can just click the link over there or you can see what the code is for the special discount or whatever the case may be so that way you know what the deal is over at RossTucker.com on the sponsor page. Like, for example, Mint Mobile. Finally, there's a company out there that's not charging you an arm and a leg. What Big Wireless doesn't want you to know is that there's a way to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. It's called Mint Mobile. It's the game-changing company that's taken everything wrong with Big Wireless they made it right. So you just use your own phone. Like whatever phone you're already using, you just use it. It's a SIM card. You pop in the Mint Mobile SIM card, and it's 15 bucks a month. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So your concern is, I don't know, Ross. Will it work? Evan, will it work? Well, just try it. Do it. Seven-day money-back guarantee. Pop it in. Try the service around wherever you live for seven days. See how it is. And then from there, it's all good. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month plus free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card, go to mintmobile.com slash feast. That's mintmobile.com 
Mintmobile.com slash feast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month and get free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card at mintmobile.com slash feast. Pretty awesome. Almost as awesome, Evan, as us getting closer and closer to the often imitated, never duplicated tears of Evan. It was also awesome to talk to Matthew Barry in yesterday's episode, if anybody missed that. And it's so good to get a chance to talk to one of the more interesting running back situations in the NFL. It's what Green Bay's got going on with not only Ty Montgomery, but the two guys we had a chance to catch up with recently, Evan, at the NFFC, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Next meal. Next meal. Two, one. We'll pass it. Uh, old school style. Old school. Hey, hey, we got some experience at this. Oh, my goodness. So this, ain't, this ain't our first rodeo. I didn't even introduce him yet. And we've got the, the, the running back tandem for the Green Bay Packers, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones going back and forth. So you guys have done this before? Yeah. Yeah, we, we do this before. Talking on the same microphone. We do this. We know how to do it. I like share. it. I like it. So, for those of you that are listening, which is everybody because you can't see this, we only have one <laughs> mic for two guests, so they're passing it back and forth, kind of like you guys do on the field. You know, and it's funny, I did six-year games last year as a broadcaster, and i got to be honest with you, there were games where I was like, man, Aaron Jones is really good. I think Aaron Jones is better than Jamal. And then, like, two games, I'd be like, I don't know, Jamal's pretty good, too. I mean, you guys went back and forth. Is that kind of how you felt like it went, too, Aaron? Oh, uh, yes, sir. I, I definitely think it went like that, and we complement each other well. So um, if he's having a great day, uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm in his back pocket. I'm with him the whole way. If I'm having a good day, he's the same way, and we, we're each other's biggest fans. Plus, Jamal, when it really comes down to it, what you really want to do is just make sure your yards per carry are high and that you stay healthy for two more years. Man. You know, it's okay if you share carries. Just make sure you stay healthy till you're a free agent. And everybody knows what you can do. Yeah, um, honestly, it's just great to have running backs here with me. You know, Aaron and Ty. Well, it's really just a great, positive, competitive group. You know, so every time we see somebody doing well, it's just it gets you ready to go out there and do it. And you know, your brothers is going to want the best for you. There's no no type of negative blood in there at all. It's just we just want to do what's best for the team, and we know that the running back group can do it. What What are the expectations for this year, guys, in terms of? The carries, the touches, I mean, do they, they kind of alternate series early and then see who has the hot hand and play him later? How do the Packers think you envision them doing it this year? Um, I have no clue, but we know we'll all be touching the ball. Uh, some point throughout the game we'll be touching it um, pretty often, so I'm excited to see how that works. We all bring something different to the table and complement each other well. Is it is it tough, Jamal, when you guys, like in college, you guys were both the, the dudes. I mean, you know, I've seen your numbers from college off the charts. Is it a little difficult when you think, I might only get five, seven touches? Like, it's not like college where I know I'm going to get close to 20. Do you feel almost like more pressure to try to break something big in, in your in your limited touches? Um, not really. I just really just want to, even when you have few uh, touches, you still want to just play your game and how you play. But really just reminds me of more like high school how high school was you really only got probably eight carries anyway you got to make do with those eight carries and show people what you got so it's really none to us i feel like we could just adapt to it 
running backs, well, especially me, Aaron, and Ty, and all the running backs, I feel like we just very adaptive, and we could just go into any situation, no matter if it's fewer carries or more carries. We know that we're going to go out there and do our best. How cool is it to be a Packer? So I played for five teams, including the Cowboys, but never the Packers. They like the Cowboys. They're a national brand. Did you guys know before you were drafted that you would get this much love from Packers fans? Uh, no, because I didn't know I'd be a Packer before the draft. <laughs> All right, all right, fair enough. So after you got drafted, uh, did you know that you'd get well, this much love from Packers fans? I know they had a great fan base, so I knew it was part to come with it. So, I mean, I expected it, but not to this degree. So what was it like, Jamal, your first time you're walking out like Lambeau Field, dude, like Lambeau Field? Shoot, are we talking during the game or when we just walked when we was rookies? Both, we both. So I think when we was rookies, when we they just brought all the rookies to the stadium, there was nobody in there. I was like, this is you know, this is a pretty cool place to be. You know, yeah. I, I didn't know much about the Packers, and I just knew Lambeau Field and jumping in the end zone and stuff. But it's a lot of history that goes into it. They made sure that we know about the history about the Packers. They took us to the museums and stuff, and <laughs> they really. They really take pride into the frozen tundra about being cold. So, Have you guys gotten, uh, has it been all love from fantasy football fans so far, or have you gotten anybody saying, hey, Aaron, I needed you this week, man. You let me You let me oh, down. I've seen a lot of that. Uh, you see you see some people tweet you one week when they're, when they're up high on you, and then the next week you have a bad game, and they're talking trash to you. So, I mean, that's a part that comes with the game, but, I mean, it keeps it fun. I still don't understand because – People really be talking to me like I like like I know like like yes. they drafted me personally. They yeah. interviewed me. They was like, you know what? We're gonna take a chance on this kid and, and draft him. But when I, when, when, go ahead, finish. Come it's on. just funny because you know they be like, one yeah, like how Aaron say one week they be like, you got me so many points, man. I'm proud of you. Appreciate it. And the next week you got players asking how many carries you gonna get the next game and. Clay asked me things because, you know, he played fantasy football. So Clay asked you? Oh, yeah. He asked me. He be asking. So like, Clay Matthews plays fantasy football, and he asked you guys how many carries and stuff you're going to get. Yeah, to see, he like, should we? Should I play you? I was like, I don't know. Yeah, house and all. Devon house as well. They're really into fantasy football? <laughs> yes, sir. yes, sir. Oh, man. That's hilarious. So uh, when I was in Buffalo, we had a tight end, Mark Campbell. He didn't catch him any passes, so his best friend dropped him from his fantasy team. Oh. That next week – Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. And so after the game, we were all laughing. And that's what happens when your friends do you dirty like that. I know. I know. You got to stick with them. There's no question. Well, hey, enjoy the season. Stay healthy. Really appreciate you guys stopping by the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was fun, Evan. It was, it was, it's fun to get a chance to talk to you know young guys, running backs like that, ask them about you know fantasy football, how often they hear about it, try to get something out of them in terms of their usage this year and what they're expecting. But, you know, it's kind of tough from active players for them to give you a whole lot. But it was still good to talk with him. Let, let's get your expert opinion based on right now what you think is going to happen with that backfield. I remember, I think I did five Packers games last year, Evan. And mm-hmm. I, I thought Aaron Jones, I remember thinking Aaron Jones was considerably better than Jamal Williams, but then, like towards the end of the year, I, w- I wasn't quite as sure about that. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, they're such different players. Aaron Jones is super explosive. I mean, five and a half yards per carry as a rookie, um, but he's your, you know, he's your typical kind of 
really explosive, high upside running back who has a lot to work on. He has to show improved reliability on and off the field. We know that he's dealing with the uh, weeks one and two suspension. We won't see him until week three. Uh, He's going to have to improve his pass protection. He was not good in pass protection uh, as a rookie, and he got injured twice, both with the same injury. Uh, It was a recurring MCL, and, you know, I don't necessarily like to hold injuries against guys, but when you put it in, you know, when you zoom out and look at the situation, he hasn't shown a lot of reliability. He has shown explosiveness and upside, and I loved him coming out of college, uh, but Jamal Williams has been almost the exact opposite because he was a guy who averaged 3.6 yards per carry, However, his success rate in terms of just getting the yards that were needed as a rookie, uh, one of the better running backs in the league, top 15 uh, in football outsider success rate, zero fumbles, um, really good in pass protection, you know, uh, over the back half of the season, averaged over 20 touches per game. He was actually the RB8 overall in fantasy uh, from week nine onward, and uh, and then we have Ty Montgomery as the wild card. You know, I thought that early in the offseason, Ty Montgomery might be moved to wide receiver. A lot of the beat writers spoke of that. Mike McCarthy even spoke of that. But I think that when the Packers kind of learned that Aaron Jones was going to be facing that suspension, they decided to keep Ty Montgomery at RB. And it's a very difficult situation to flesh out. My concern is that none of them end up, end up helping us in fantasy because none of them get a big workload. Um, But, you know, at the same time, like there's definitely a place in the draft that I'm willing to take Jamal Williams, usually eighth, ninth round, Aaron Jones, 11th, 12th round, Ty Montgomery, 12th, 13th round. You know, they, we know that they're going to be playing in a good offense in an offense that's going to score a lot of points. And it's just kind of taking shots on guys similar to the situation last year with the Patriots Taking, you know, taking that 10th round flyer on Rex Burkhead, which which paid off uh, more often than not taking that 12th round flyer on Deion Lewis. And, you know, he was a league winner at the end of the season. It's it's going to be I'll say this. It's going to be one of the, the camp battles that I'm monitoring most closely this summer. What about Evan, the tight end position? You know, here we yeah. are. We usually record. Both shows on a Wednesday. We did one on Wednesday this week, one on Thursday, which is when we always drop them, one Wednesday, one Thursday. We are a day into training camp, and yep. you know, you're already seeing favorable reports about Jimmy Graham. How high are you willing to take? How much are you buying the Jimmy Graham hype? Yeah, see, I really like Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham kind of ties into the running back situation for the Packers. I mean, this is a guy who scored seven touchdowns from the four-yard line or in last year, eight touchdowns from the six-yard line or in, led the NFL in red zone targets and targets inside the 10-yard line. He's six foot seven. Can he run as fast as he used to? No. But um, he is an incredible force in the red zone. And the last time we saw Aaron Rodgers healthy in 2016 – The Packers passed inside the red zone at the third highest rate in the NFL, passed on 67% of their uh, red zone uh, plays. You can go back and listen to our show with Jason Moore 
of the FF Ballers, one of my bold predictions, it was a bold prediction show, one of my bold predictions was that Jimmy Graham would lead the NFL in receiving touchdowns this year. I'm very bullish on Jimmy Graham. Uh, I've been drafting a lot of best ball so far. Jimmy Graham and Delaney Walker are my two highest-owned tight ends. Uh, You can usually get Jimmy Graham in the sixth round and Delaney Walker in the seventh round. Um, I I just love the touchdown upside and and on Jimmy Graham. And touchdowns make the tight end position go. None of them, you know, it's very rare to have a tight end who's going to have big catch and yardage totals. Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey are kind of in a league of their own from that standpoint. Even Zach Ertz can't touch those guys. Um, but the, you know, after that, you're just looking for guys who are going to score a lot of touchdowns. And I think that Jimmy Graham is near the top of that list in terms of touchdown ceiling. What about Evan, the wide receiver position now that Jordy Nelson is no longer in green Bay, who do you see as the primary beneficiaries of that? Well, Devonte Adams over the last two years has led the NFL in red zone targets and touchdown receptions. I don't think that people realize how productive Devonte Adams has been the Packers certainly do they gave him a big extension toward the end of last season which now looks like a bargain you know with, with everybody getting raises with Sammy Watkins being paid like a top four wide receiver in the NFL Packers have always been kind of smart about doing their extensions and they did one with Devonte Adams toward the end of last season for me he, he's my wide receiver seven I have him ahead of Mike Evans ahead of AJ Green ahead of Doug Baldwin. Uh, the questions are really further down the depth chart. I think Randall Cobb is kind of locked into the number two role. And if you just isolate his splits with and without Aaron Rodgers last year, I mean, he was on almost a 90 catch, you know, nine, 950 yard, six or seven touchdown pace in the five full games played with Aaron Rodgers. Total dud when Brett Hundley was in there, understandably, um, but right now, you know, eighth as an eighth or ninth round pick, absolutely. Randall Cobb is a guy I'm w- willing to take a shot on. The beat writers in Green Bay think that Geronimo Allison is the favorite for the number three receiver role. Geronimo Allison, a guy who is, you know, not not lit the world on fire, but man, he's going to get favorable coverage matchups. He's never going to fit. You know, he's always going to face a weaker cornerback, you know, in, in single coverage. And he's going to have a lot of uh, favorable matchups if he does win that role. His primary competition, uh, Trevor Davis, who's been more of a returner for the Packers. D'Angelo Yancey, a guy who they drafted last year out of Purdue, had some vertical skills but couldn't get on the field, was on the practice squad for most of the year. And then the three rookies that they selected, Jamon Moore out of Missouri in the fourth round, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Uh, in the sixth round, and uh, Equanimius St. Brown out of Notre Dame. Very talented guy, um, but uh, kind of an an enigmatic prospect uh, later in the sixth round. It's, it's, again, you know, it's it's hard to make concrete predictions about this, and it's just going to be a situation where we're going to be watching these preseason games closely. Well, we talked about receivers. Speaking of receivers, I had a chance at the NFFC as well to catch up with Christian Kirk. And I actually called Evan his first game ever as a true freshman at Texas A&M. And he was by far 
the most explosive guy on the field. It was in Houston against Arizona State. I was extremely impressed. Now he's a second-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals, and I got a chance to catch up to him about what he thinks his role will be this year out in the desert. Joined now by the newest wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, Christian Kirk. It's funny, Christian, because I have a college draft podcast as well. Yeah. And I've been talking about you since the first game of your true freshman year. Yeah. It was in Houston, and I was ready. I was expecting big things from Speedy. (laughs) Everybody was talking to me about Speedy. And you totally took over. the. I mean, dude, first game, true freshman. <laughs> yeah. what, did you expect it to be that easy? I didn't, uh, to be honest. Uh, there was a lot of nerves, especially uh, playing against my hometown team in ASU. And uh, it being my first collegiate football game. And I was honestly just going out there and expecting just to uh, make a couple plays and uh, hopefully contribute to a win. And uh, one thing came to a next. And whenever you know I get the ball in my hands, it's just natural for me to make something happen. You were electric in that game, and I've been talking about you ever since. Speaking of your hometown team, yeah. now you're at the Arizona Cardinals. What's that been like so far? It's uh, It's been surreal uh, just to be able to uh, come back and uh, you know move back home, be with my family and uh, all my friends. Are you living and, home with your parents? No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no. I, I wouldn't hate on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was for a little bit uh, just until I could find a spot. But still, just being back around my family, back around. Uh, in the community, uh, like I said, I'm born and raised there and, you know, going away to Texas A&M for three years. And then obviously in the draft, I was expecting to go somewhere else. And then uh, when I got that phone call to come back home, it was just crazy. So what was it like? The, had, had you ever met Larry before? Yeah. So you'd already met him? Yeah. Had you ever worked with him? Yeah. So I, in, and when you were in college, you already did some stuff with Larry? Yeah, I had known Larry uh, since I was a little kid. Um, and, you know, we would just kind of run into each other here and there, you know, obviously, you know, being around the Valley and just being connected through other people. And then um, I started talking to him a lot uh, my last couple of years at A&M. And, uh, you know, he would, you know, send me texts here and there and we text or whatnot. But, you know, now that he's my teammate, it's uh, it's crazy. What have you learned from him so far? I know this season hasn't even started yet, right. but what have you learned just – watching how he goes about his business in the off season. yeah it's just uh you know learning how to be a pro uh learning how to handle yourself on and off the field just his approach and uh you know just how he attacks things and um obviously there's so much to learn you know on the field but just seeing how he is you know as a man as a businessman and uh like i said so much of the stuff that he does off the field i've seen how much he's done for the community you know me being a kid growing up in the valley so uh just learning from him and you know trying to take everything in I know you haven't gotten to the season yet, but just based on OTAs and minicamp, uh, what's been the biggest surprise to you about the NFL, or what? what's the biggest difference you've seen so far between the NFL and the SEC? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the biggest difference, um, nothing physical, nothing, you know, about the speed of the game or whatnot. I think it's all just mental. Guys are just smarter. Uh, you know, they take pride in uh, knowing what they're supposed to do and, you know, identifying, you know, what the opponent is doing and, uh, you know, coverage recognition and even by formation and whatnot. So guys are just smarter. They're more instinctual and, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, not second guessing. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Sam Bradford throws a pretty good ball, doesn't he? Really good ball. Throws a really I good mean, ball. I mean, it's unbelievable how accurate he is. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's special and, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's really cool to be able to work with a guy like that who's been around and, and have a veteran guy. Cause you had to deal with a bunch of quarterbacks at AM. Six. What, what, what was the deal with all those guys transferring out? Like Kyle and uh, the kid at Oklahoma now, the baseball player. Kyle. Why didn't they, why, why did they left? You know, there was just, um, you know, different opportunities uh, that, you know, were kind of coming and going. And, 
you know, they just did what they felt was best for them. And uh, those, those wasn't guys. wasn't what was best for Christian Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you got to do what's best for you. Um, you know, it's a team sport, but you always have to have, you know, your best interests at heart. And uh, those guys are all, you know, really good friends of mine. And, you know, I'm, I supported them whatever they wanted to do, and they've all been successful. What do you think of Rosen so far? Really good. Um, he's been a good friend of mine since high school, and, uh, you know, I, I think he, sh- he should have been the top quarterback in the draft. I mean, he just everything that he does from his arm talent to, you know, what he has up top, uh, I think he's just he's, he's going to be able to be successful for a long time. How do you expect them to use you this year, Christian? I think all over the place. Um, you know, I'm playing a lot more outside now and, you know, being able to work out there and get comfortable out there and then, um, obviously working in the slot, you know, I, I'm already comfortable in there. So just working in and out and then, you know, being able to have that special teams aspect. So, uh, you know, we'll kind of see more in, in training camp, uh, you know, hopefully being able to develop into that number two receiver spot and being able to do that. I feel like, you know, the value for you guys is that a lot of teams have one nickel corner, right, that they use. I mean, if he's a smaller, quicker guy, Larry's too big for him. Yep. If he's a bigger guy, you're too fast for him. I mean, talk a little bit, if you can, Christian, about the value in having different body type skill sets that can each play inside like you and Larry. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what the NFL is now. It's matchups. It's uh, matchups on personnel and, you know, being able to create those mismatches. And so for us to be able to complement each other like that, like you said, you have size and you have speed and just to be able to um, going into a game plan and knowing, you know, what we're going to get if we get into each formation and the type of guys we're going to go to uh, go against, uh, I think that just works into our advantage even more. Were you a Cardinals fan growing up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are, are you just saying that because you have to now? No, I, I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, man. Stay healthy. Have a great career. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, Evan, I know that it, it's been uh, ugly recently for rookie wide receivers what are you telling people? What are you thinking as it relates to Christian Kirk's opportunity out there in Arizona with Fitzgerald and with that quarterback situation? He's got very good opportunity. Um, they have a lot. They have a mishmash of guys on the outside right now. Bryce Butler, two-year, three million dollar contract. Um, you know, I've always kind of liked Bryce Butler as a vertical threat. Seems like coaching staffs have never really liked Bryce Butler because they've never committed to using him very much. Um, And there's probably something there that they know that we don't. Um, J.J. Nelson, super small. I mean, came out of UAB weighing like 150 pounds. He certainly can run, but that's pretty much all he can do. And he's been inefficient in the pros. And then Larry Fitzgerald, who's been awesome, obviously first bout hall of famer three straight seasons of over 100 catches but he is going to be 34 and i think the general sent sentiment is that he's likely to retire after this year although you know people have been kind of saying that for years uh but i i thought that you know my first instinct when the cardinals took christian kirk was that they saw him as the eventual replacement for larry fitzgerald i'm not sure that's necessarily the case anymore um I think he's going to get on the field, you know, and I'm not sure in what capacity. I'm not sure that he is a true outside receiver. Uh, and Larry Fitzgerald is stationed in the slot. I think that Christian Kirk's future is as a slot receiver, kind of cross between Cooper Cup and Nelson Aguilar. Um, ran four four five coming at Texas A&M, caught everything, hyper productive. 
at Texas A&M. Um, in terms of rookie production, you know, I'm not sure that his ceiling is real, real big or real, real high, but I think that he will end up being one of the more productive rookies just based on opportunity because they don't have a whole lot there. And then long-term, I think his upside is, is really, really strong. Again, in that Cooper Cup, Nelson Aguilar spectrum. Um, and, you know, when Larry Fitzgerald retires, I think that he's going to be – he should end up being a very productive slot receiver. And, and this should give him a chance to grow with Josh Rosen, kind of like Jared Goff and Cooper Cup, uh, I think, grew together in their first season. You saw it in the preseason even with Cooper Cup and Jared Goff. I think that we might see a little bit of that with Josh Rosen and Christian Kirk this preseason. We also talked last week, I think, about Ricky Seals-Jones after he had his off-the-field issues. So we talked about the tight end position a little bit there in Arizona. I guess my question at running back, Evan, is if there's any place in deeper drafts in your mind for Chase Edmonds, the fourth-round pick, for the Arizona Cardinals out of Fordham. Obviously, they have David Johnson. Chase actually grew up, Evan, like less than five minutes from my house here and had an unbelievable college career. I mean, his last year, I think he got hurt, was actually his worst. But he was like first-team All-American, I think, as a freshman. It was crazy. Yeah, leads the Patriot League in all-time yards from scrimmage. Um, I remember Josh Norris, you know, our resident draft analyst who we've had on the show a bunch of times talking about Chase Edmonds, loves him, um, compared him even to Matt Forte. Uh, I thought he reminded me a little of Devontae Freeman. I love Chase Edmonds. I actually didn't have many draft picks in one of my dynasty uh, rookie drafts because I had traded them all the way for veterans, traded back into the draft to go get Chase Edmonds in uh, the, the third or fourth round, was very happy with it. Um, I, he's, I doubt he's going to be a redraft factor, of course, barring an injury to David Johnson. But, you know, David Johnson's in a contract year, and, I mean, I would bet on the Cardinals locking him up, but, you know, things can go wrong there. Players can get hurt. That's Running back is one of the most injury-propense positions in all of sports, maybe the single most injury-propense uh, positions in all of sports and that can lead to opportunities and the Cardinals have pretty much already given Chase Edmonds that number two running back position over TJ Logan over DJ Foster and um, I, I have like a little bit of excitement about him you know I'm a little bit biased because I really liked him coming out of college and because now he's on my uh, one of my dynasty teams that I that I like the most but uh, I I really do like Chase Edmonds uh, and I'm I'm excited about him being the number two running back behind uh, a guy entering his contract year. One of the things I'm excited about, you talk about it all the time, Evan, you know, that we are trying to gather as much information as we can to make as informed decisions as we can. You know, not, nobody's perfect, but you're just trying to make the best decisions you can. Uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF Fantasy, uses their exclusive data on every play of every game to bring you the best fantasy stats and projections. Join PFF Edge for full access to PFF's rankings, fantasy draft tools, positional matchup charts, and, of course, their award-winning website content. If you're like a high-stakes dude, like you are, Evan, step it up to PFF Elite. They got everything that they had in Edge I just told you about, plus 
the complete premium stats database, green line game picks, DFS optimizer. If you need that, PFF Fantasy leads you to victory with data-driven projections, expert rankings, and roster advice all year long. From draft night through the fantasy playoffs, the experts at PFF will give your team the inside advantage. Join PFF Fantasy today and prepare to win. Sign up now at profootballfocus.com. As a reminder, if you ever take advantage of any of our awesome sponsors over at RossTucker.com, you can ask Evan any question you want because that's the I mean, we do a lot of shows. Evan and I do, I think, 84 shows. I do 200 Ross Tucker football podcasts. The other shows are all... You know, once a week, so 52, but still, that's a lot of shows. And the only thing that really makes them go is the sponsors. So it helps us tremendously when you take advantage of the sponsors. So please do, and we reward you by number one, you get a chance to be in the fantasy league against Evan and I in the draft. And number two, you get to ask Evan a question. So I think that's probably worth it. Uh, speaking of that, let's get to a question. Hit it, Bri. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to Ask Ross. Love that we've been doing this for, I don't know, four years, maybe five years, and we still have never just had the guy say, would you like to ask Evan a fantasy question? What, does he co- what does that cost, Brian? Like 20 bucks to do that, maybe 10 bucks. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have the budget, evidently, to, uh, to do that. I love it. Take, take advantage of more of the sponsors. So that we can have the guy say, ask Evan a fantasy question, because none of you are emailing this channel or this show to ask me a question. You want to get it from Evan, I think. So, all right, here's what we got, Evan. This is from Rick Botta. I can't wait to take Evan and you down in a best ball draft. Put me in, coach. I don't know if Rick's in the league or not. I don't know if you made it or not, Rick. Uh, But, look, I keep all the emails that you guys send me. So if you send me a new one, for the redraft league, uh, and I see that you'd already sent me another one for you know one of the best ball leagues, then I keep track of that. So if, if you double down, you got a much better chance of going toe to toe against us in the redraft league. We will have fourteen, no thirteen, because James runs the league for us. But thirteen dudes that we will be picking for that. Okay, he says Evan that he's been doing a lot of best ball this year, and he's found. That when he doesn't get two running backs within the first three rounds, uh, he's relying on top-end wide receivers to carry him and picking a ton, like seven, eight late-round running backs. With all the running backs this year, what are your thoughts on this roster build? So basically he gets one running back, it sounds like, in the first three rounds, gets a bunch of receivers, and then just gets like seven, eight late round running backs, you know, for, for best ball. Yeah. I, th- I think he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, um, I, I think that that's, it, it sounds like he's a veteran player and he's just kind of like, you know, asking us this question because he is just kind of trying to confirm that what he's doing is right. And yes, I would say that that's correct. I, you know, the way that I play best ball is I hammer the RBs early and I, every time that I build a team that doesn't have at least three running backs in the first four rounds, I end up not liking that team. 
Um, and I mean, I've, I've tried, look, trust me, I have tried to build teams where, you know, I'll be drafting like on the end and I'll be, I don't know, you know, 1.11 or 1.12 and I'll take, I don't know, Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones and Odell Beckham in those positions. And those sound like good picks, but when you're RB1, you know, you come back around and your RB1 is Darius Geis or Alex Collins. And I mean, look, I like both of those guys to, to certain extents, but man, you, you feel a lot less confident about that team. The team ends up, you know, relying on those guys as the RB one and the RB two. Someone's like, I don't know, Tevin Coleman is the RB three, you know, looking later at like some of the rookies that are a little bit more dicey, Royce Freeman, uh, Ronald Jones, you know, I, I am big on hammering the running backs early making sure that you get that that touch upside on your team that that touch and touchdown upside on your roster and then building the wide receiver position later with guys like Randall Cobb with guys like Richard Matthews with you know Jordy Nelson who I think is an interesting value right now Kenny Stills you know cr- trying to create an eight wide receiver stable um, as opposed to hitting those stud wide receivers early and then trying to build a, a running back stable of a, a of a bunch of guys who do not even have assured roles. Love it. I love the email questions. Please keep them coming. You know, with us doing two episodes until, you know, the playoffs, we're going to have more and more time to get to some of your email questions. So take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com, like Pro Football Focus, like Mint Mobile, uh, like Squad QL, all of them, um, and then hit us up, Ross at RossTucker.com. Other than that, another meaty episode. We've been dominating the double days so far. I love it. Next week, we've got a big-time guest again. We're rolling with the guests, and we're going to start the Tears of Evan. The countdown is on. Get the song ready. Get excited. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.